Shalom Aleichem everybody, welcome back to our fourth week of 929, our journey through Tanakh. We are up to Perek Tetzayin, chapter 16 of Bereshit. Sarai and Avraham have returned to Eretz Israel after their time in Mitzrayim. And yet, despite the promise in the previous chapter during Brit Ben Habatarim that Avraham's descendants would be incredibly uh, numerous, nevertheless, our chapter begins with the words for Sarai, Eshet Avram lo yalda lo, that Sarai, Avraham's wife, did not have children. So how will it be that Abraham will be able to have descendants? Lot has appeared to have left the scene at this stage. And so Sarai herself comes up with the suggestion. If she is unable to have children, perhaps Abraham will be able to have children through somebody who is not Sarai herself, but who is connected to Sarai. And that is Hagar. Hagar is the shifcha, the maidservant they have brought back with them from Mitzrayim says Sarai Ulai Ibane Mimena. Perhaps I will become literally built up through her. I will have children through her. And Avraham listens to this. And Avraham takes Hagar um, as actually a wife, right? That she, Sarai, gives her to Avraham, her husband, as a wife. Hagar and Avram, Hagar, is able to conceive seemingly with great ease. The Midrash says it happens straight away. But as this happens, things turn sour. Suddenly Hagar now looks at Sarai, at her mistress, with seemingly less respect than should be required. Sarai does not take this well and says to Avram, Hamasi alecha, my anger is directed towards you, you should have prevented this. Now Yishpot Hashem Beni Uveinecha, let God judge between us. And Avram at this stage says to Sarai, she is in your hands, Shifchatech Beyadech, she is still your maidservant, do with her as you see fit. And we read, Sarai, this is a difficult word to translate to ta'ane, is used some, but simply translation is oppresses Hagar, and Hagar flees from her. Hagar flees pregnant into the desert, running away from Sarai. And there a voice, an angel, greets her and meets her and asks her why she has run away. And the angel then says to her to return to her mistress, return to Sarai and to suffer underneath her. And yet, nevertheless, she has promised that she will not only have a son, but that son will be the beginning of a great and numerous people and nation. And he shall be called Yishmael, Kishama Hashem El Onyech, because God has heard your suffering. Indeed, this is what happens. Um, she has a son. She names the well where she has had this vision, Be'er l'chai ro'i, the well of the living one who sees because God has heard her voice there. And Hagar returns to Avram and Sarai and Yishmael, their son, 
is given birth to and is raised in their house. And the chapter concludes that Avraham is 86 when Ishmael is born. This chapter begins the or introduces Hagar and Ishmael into the family who are going to be an ongoing theme for the, re- for the bulk of the rest of the story certainly until chapter 21 when Ishmael and Hagar are finally expelled and even according to the Midrash all the way until the end of Avraham's life if you understand that Keturah who Avraham marries after the death of Sarai is actually Hagar and then in fact Avraham will bring Hagar back and Hagar and Ishmael are going to be a critical subplot within the story of Avraham and his family. Now a huge amount turns in our chapter on how to evaluate Sarai's actions towards Hagar and I want to share with you some of the commentaries from the great medieval Mepharshim the Radak and the Ramban. We read the verse uh, which says, sorry if I just, Sarai. Sarai oppresses her, and she flees from her. The Radak, Rabbi David Kimchi, one of the great Spanish commentators of the Middle Ages, reads as follows asking the question of whether or not Sarai's actions can be justified. And he says as follows. When Avraham said to Sarai, Shifchata biyadecha, that your maidservant is in your hands, Afal pi, shishichva b'chiki, even though she has lain with me, even though she is my wife, nevertheless, shifchata hi, she is still your maidservant, kavatchila, as she was at the start. Yeshlach rishut aleha lirdota. You can do to her as you, can, as you see fit. You can punish her if you like. I will not step in. Sarai, Sarai oppressed her. Asta ima dealt with her more, more harshly than she should have done. Va'avra ba'baparech oppressed her. The Radak continues, Efshar Perhaps it was that this wasn't just verbal oppression, but even physical abuse. And Sarai did not act according to an ethical standard, nor according to a religious standard. And even though Abraham had forgiven her, Al saying to her, "You can do as you see fit." Nevertheless, Hayara Uyala Limshoch et Yada, she should have stayed her hand Lichvodo out of honor to Abraham Velola Anota and not have public, not have punished Hagar. He then quotes a aphorism of the great Spanish poet Ibn Gvirol, Mana how beautiful it is for a person to forgive when they have the ability, and says the Radak that it's not fitting for somebody to punish, even if it seems to them justified, they should rather treat people with greater respect and dignity, even if it means swallowing their own pride and kavod. And continues the Radak, or rather concludes the Radak, Kol Nikhtav. This whole story is written at great length in the Torah. Liknot Adam Mimenu Hamidot Hatovot Haraot. In order that a person may read this story and acquire correct actions to know that even when they feel justified in asking a person or in punishing a person who has done them wrong, nevertheless they should withhold 
they should withhold their hand from them and not punish as they are able to. The Ramban agrees with the approach of Radak and yet goes even further. He says as follows, and people might be familiar with the Ramban's general approach of seeing future history as being a spooling out and being a consequence of biblical stories. He says, Our our mother sinned by oppressing Hagar in this way. And so did Abraham in allowing her to do this. And God heard her pain. And in response, Natan Laben gave her a son, Shiyehe Pera Adam, who would be a wild man, Laanot Zera Avraham Vesara, Bechol Minei Ha'inui, who would oppress, who would have the power to punish the children of Avraham and Sarah, seemingly in response to the punishment that Sarai had meted out to his own mother. This is a terrifying Ramban which is given to us, but joined with the comment of the Radak is one which really sees Sarah and Abraham as well as having acted improperly in their treatment of Hagar. And although this is clearly a very compelling reading of the text and one which we absolutely need to take seriously, I can't conclude the chapter without feeling so sorry for Sarai as well. Somebody who has dreamed for Many, many decades, we don't know when Avraham and Sarai came together, but she was uh, she presumably as a young couple, and now that they are in their 70s or 80s, always having dreamed of, of having a child together, what must it have taken for Sarai to have said, you can have a child through Hagar? How much self-sacrifice must it have taken? And the sensitivity which Avraham should have treated her with, and Hagar as well, having seen what Sarai has given up, should be to us a reminder of the tremendous sensitivity that is is required towards those who are struggling to have children. And how can one's heart not go out for Sarai, even if her actions and response were overly harsh? Everybody should have a wonderful day.